0: Samuel had a problem. He couldn't see. I don't mean that his eyes didn't work. His pupils were functioning just fine. The optic nerve was right how it was supposed to be. He had no trouble actually seeing, but Samuel couldn't see the way he was supposed to. Do you see? The Corinthians, too, had a problem. They couldn't see. That's why St. Paul was writing to them. And I, again, don't mean that their eyes weren't working. The pupils were fine. The optic nerve, the lenses, the cornea, all that stuff was functioning just fine in Corinth. But they couldn't see the right path to walk on. And the disciples, too, had a problem. They were with Jesus, but they couldn't see. Do you see? Look, Jesus said. The Son of Man goes, just as it is written about him. He will be betrayed, he will be mocked, he will be spit upon, he will be ridiculed, he will be crucified. But they couldn't see. How is your vision? Last week we talked about hearing. This week, let's consider sight. In each of these readings, God's word puts before us this question, is it enough simply to see? Or is there a difference somehow between visualizing something and actually understanding it? We have this kind of distinction quite easily in our language, don't we? We talk sometimes about seeing but not having insight or seeing but not yet really truly perceiving. And that kind of problem isn't just something that happened to people long ago and that now we've overcome it. No, it continues to be an issue for Christians. Do we see like we ought to see? Think about Samuel first. We'll go through each of them this morning, but just think about Samuel, this great prophet. God sent him to anoint a king, a new king for him, and Samuel couldn't see which of those sons of Jesse was the one that God had picked. He tried to see, didn't he? And so Samuel thought the way that everyone thinks, whoever's the oldest, whoever's the tallest, whoever is the most powerful, surely that person is the one who is going to advance God's kingdom the farthest. Can you blame Samuel for thinking that way? It makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? If God sends you to anoint someone to be the king, you don't want to pick someone who's easy to overlook. You don't want to pick someone who no one really is paying all that much attention to. You don't want to pick the kind of guy who didn't even get brought along by his own father. (laughs) And yet that's who God picked. For the Lord does not see the way that man sees, God said to Samuel. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And so God did not choose Eliab, he did not choose Shammah, he did not choose, I forget the other son's name, he chose David. He chose David. The Corinthians had a similar problem. They couldn't see the way that God wanted them to see. And so even though they were Christians, they were pursuing all the wrong stuff. If you read the book of 1 Corinthians, you can see all the problems that plagued that church, and maybe you can see similarities to the church in our own day and age. But what Paul is addressing in 1 Corinthians 13, that great love chapter, is this, that the Corinthians were pursuing the wrong goal. They wanted to be wise. They wanted to be powerful. They wanted to be great speakers. They wanted to be well-known for all their great acts of bravery and courage. And St. Paul says, you can have all that stuff, but if you don't have love, you have nothing. And so he works to correct their vision. He works to correct their insight so that they might see what it is that God truly, what God sets his sight on. And the disciples too had their problem of seeing. Jesus was talking about being the son of man and that got everybody excited because when Jesus talks about the son of man, they all hear the words of Daniel Daniel saw a vision of the Son of Man, and the Son of Man was a figure of great power and authority. And so when Jesus starts talking about the Son of Man, the disciples get excited. All right, some power, some authority, here we go. But then Jesus says the Son of Man is going to suffer. The Son of Man is going to be spit upon. The Son of Man is going to be crucified, and the disciples can't understand how can this be? How is this the way that God's kingdom comes into the world? How is this? How is this rejection of the Son of Man possibly the way that things are supposed to go? Samuel couldn't see. The Corinthians couldn't see. And even the disciples of Jesus, who had been with him for years at this point, they still couldn't see things clearly. And how about you? How about you? Do you see things clearly or is your vision cloudy? Do you see clearly or do you see like Samuel? Do you look for the kingdom of God to be advanced with great power, with great authority by men like the older sons of Jesse who will come with great appearance who will attract all kinds of people to themselves? Do you judge things by the outward appearance or can you see to the heart Perhaps you see, like the Corinthians. Do you want to be known for being a loving person, or would you rather be known for other things? Do you want to be regarded as someone who is powerful in speech, as someone who knows a lot of stuff, who has all kinds of knowledge, all kinds of wisdom, or do you want to be known as being a loving person? Or maybe you're like the disciples. You hear all the things that Jesus says, and you're not really sure how it all fits together. You hear all this stuff about the promises of eternal life, and you say, that sounds good, Jesus, and the resurrection sounds great, and let's fix all the problems of the world. But then when he says things like, you must follow me and bear a cross, you say, well, I don't want that. (laughs) No thanks, Jesus. How about just the good stuff? How about just the nice stuff? How about just the powerful stuff, the glorious stuff? or perhaps our problem is maybe more basic, that we don't even look at all, that we don't even look for the kingdom of God to be advanced by powerful men or by humble men. We don't even consider it at all. We just look at ourselves and think about ourselves and ponder ourselves and talk about ourselves and think about ourselves and wonder about ourselves. And all the while we never say, maybe I should be looking for something else. Maybe I should be looking for God's kingdom, not my kingdom. Maybe I should be looking for God's ways and not my own ways. We don't see things clearly, do we? There's too much that gets clouded in our minds. There's too many things that distract us. There's too many problems in the world and our own sinful nature, our own sinful nature affects how we see the world, how we understand things. And so we have a day like this where Jesus comes and he stands among us like he did among the blind men in Israel. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? How wonderful is our Lord that he puts up with slow to understand disciples. How wonderful is our Lord that even when his great prophets like Samuel don't see things the way they are, he doesn't say, oh gosh, Samuel, what a waste. But he puts up with our slowness, he puts up with our lack of perception, he puts up with our lack of clarity, and he says, let me fix it for you. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus said to a blind man. Well, duh, Jesus, don't you know? (laughs) But listen to that question that Jesus puts before the blind man this morning, and hear him putting it to you today. What do you want me to do for you? The answer seems obvious, but if I was there in the crowd, I might kind of pull on the blind man's sleeve and say, hey, hey! before you answer, just think about how great this question is. He's asking you anything you want. What do you want me to do for you? Maybe, Maybe you should ask him for something other than just getting your vision back. Maybe you should ask him for money. Maybe you should ask him for power. Maybe you should ask him for authority. Maybe you should ask him for a good life. Maybe you should ask him for world peace. Maybe you should ask him for smooth sailing. Maybe you should ask him for a happy family. Maybe you should ask him for a good job. Maybe you should ask him, well, you fill in the blank. What all could you ask Jesus for? But the blind man knows what is most important and that's his vision. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus says to you this morning. How about giving us vision? I don't just mean making our optic nerves work. I wore my glasses this morning. Mine don't work all that well. My lenses are all screwed up. I have terrible sight. We don't need Jesus to fix our eyesight, but we do need him to fix our spiritual vision. We need him to give us understanding, to give us clarity about who he is and about who we are. We need him to give us vision. We need him to give us insight about what his kingdom is all about and what we, therefore, ought to pursue. And here's the good news. Jesus gives it. What do you want me to do for you? Give us vision, Lord. Recover your sight he said to that blind man, and immediately the blind man saw. And then what did he do? He didn't go home and say, what can I look at now? Oh, I can't wait to read my books. I can't wait to look at my family photos. They didn't have those, of course. I can't wait to look at these great works of art. He fixed his eyes on Jesus. Did you hear that? It's a simple little phrase in the reading. It's almost too easy to skip over. He regained his sight, St. Luke says, and he followed him. He followed him with his eyes, and more importantly, he followed him with the eyes of his heart. He followed him with the eyes of faith. Here is what we are to do, dear friends, to follow Jesus with our eyes, to fix our eyes on Jesus. We stand right on the edge of Lent. This Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, we begin the 40 days to the cross. And in that time, you have this chance again, this yearly reminder to fix your eyes on Jesus, to see what it is that he values, to see what it is that he does, to see what it is that he chooses, to see what it is that he loves. And if you keep your eyes on Jesus throughout this Lenten journey, what will you find? You will find that he sets his heart on you. You will find that the way of Jesus, the path of Jesus, the sight of Jesus is always the way of love, the sight of love, that he is willing to lay down his life for you, that he is willing to not come and simply set up a powerful throne, but that he sets up his cross in this world, that he takes your sin upon himself and says, let me take it for you, that he takes your death upon himself and says, let me take it for you, that he takes you to himself and says, I will carry you to the cross. That's what Jesus sees. And all through Lent, that is what we will fix our eyes on as well. We will have our sight corrected again and set aside from all the distractions, all the cares, all the cataracts that blind us, all the me, 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 that gets in the way of seeing what it is that God loves, what it is that God values. What do you want me to do for you? Today, Jesus says, learn to say like the blind man, give me sight, Jesus. Let me see what it is that your kingdom is all about. And once you see what it is that the kingdom of God is all about, well then do what you're supposed to do. Because the purpose of sight is not simply to take everything in, right? That's the first part. You have to take in the world. But the reason that God gives us sight is so that we can actually go somewhere, right? Right? so that we can actually go our way in this world without tripping over all kinds of stuff that would get in the way. So if your eyes are fixed on Jesus, if your sight is set on him, if he has shown you the way of love that you are to walk in, then don't just see it, but also follow in it. Follow in that path of Jesus so that you don't live like the Corinthians, those blind and shrouded Corinthians. Learn the way of love, how Jesus has first loved you, so that you can learn the way that you are to love others who are around you. Because in the end, in the end, all that other stuff will pass away. Knowledge will fade away. Human power and authority will fade away. But what is it that will remain? What is it that will abide? Not just in this world, but in the world that is coming. The world that is coming is the world of Christ's love. You have the advance notice. You know what it is that is coming. So pursue those things. You have seen the end. You have seen what it is that Jesus is bringing into this world. Your eyes are fixed on him. Your sight is grounded in him and corrected in him. So walk in that path of love, which is patient, which is kind, which does not envy or boast, which never rejoices in what is wrong, but rejoices in what is true. See those things in Jesus and set your eyes and your sight on those things in yourself and then you won't be stumbling and bumbling through this world, but you will see clearly. You will see as you ought to see and in the end, in the end, that is what we will see. Now we know in part, now we see as through a dim glass, but on the last day we will see clearly, and we will know as God has known us. We will know the fullness of his love. To Christ be the glory now and always. Amen.